Welcome to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio podcast, hosted by Peter O'Toole, sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. Today on The Microscopists. Hi, I'm Peter O'Toole, and today I'm talking with Petra Schwiller from the Max Planck Institute about all sorts of things, including her need for new tasks and new ideas. I think I would still do the same as like 30 years ago, I would die. The benefits of working overseas. It was really good for me to go uh, abroad. And how she balanced her career to have a child, only to end up eventually with three of them. You get a bit addicted to having kids. When you have the first, then you want the next. All in this episode of The Microscopists. Hi, I'm Peter O'Toole, and today I'm joined by Petra Schwiller from the Max Planck Institute. Petra, hi. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, well, do you know, talking to meeting, I remember my first time of meeting you. Uh, which was back in 2001 uh, and actually I was talking to Ricardo Henriquez recently and I was in email contact with Claudio Lucas and we were all at the same course so actually we were students of uh, an EMBO course at the EMBL ah, okay. in Heidelberg yeah. uh, for advanced uh, light microscopy imaging at the time and you were one of the main tu- you, you were one of the guest invited big name speakers and that was back in 2001. So yeah. then, I don't know if you remember the event. Well, yes, I, I pretty much uh, remember the event. I always enjoyed these uh, weeks. It was usually weeks that we spent at the EMBL and uh, in this little booth and with always uh, really good equipment. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was great. Uh, it, it was, well, just good equipment. It was great, great, inspiring speakers. Mm-hmm. So you are inspiring speakers talking about FCS and I, I'd never come across fluorescence correlation spectroscopy at the time. Mm. Uh, I think also there was Stefan Hell, uh, Ernst Delzer, uh, a whole, uh, just so yeah. many leading microscopists. Yeah. Uh, mostly male, may I say, when I look back at it. But uh, I, the great thing is not only did you give the lecture, you also, as you say, those small booths, you were in there hands-on yeah. teaching. I think it was two photon FCS that you uh, were could be, demonstrating yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh, Long uh, ago, we, yeah. I mean, GFP, uh, and, and that's where I took, that's where I learned from you actually that GFP blinks can be quite annoying at times. It still blinks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. a blinking nuisance. Some may say when it does do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. So, where where did you start your career? I started my, uh, well, the, the real scientific career, I started in Göttingen at the Max Planck Institute for Biophysical Chemistry. Um, this Manfred Eigen, at that time already close to retirement, a Nobel Prize winner, who started uh, very late in his uh, scientific work, uh, a new technology, namely single molecule fluorescence uh, spectroscopy. And that was at that time when I applied with him. I wanted to do something completely different. I wanted to do theoretical evolution. And he basically told me, no, no, that's not what I want to do now. For the last couple of years, uh, I would rather do something 
you know, real methodological and I, he, he guided me around through his labs and I fell in love immediately with the setup and, uh, and the lab and everything. So I, I, I have that, uh, that a very good memory to these uh, times of my PhD. So what, what, was your de what was your degree in to start with? Physics. I was a physicist. It's physics. I, uh, yes, yes. And I you uh, to go into evolution. Uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 the point is that, that really I always, went, since, I, since I can think back, I always wondered about what life is. I, that, that was my big, it's still my big question. What is it? What is that thing, right? So what, what, why is it different from a stone or the sun or whatever, a cloud, fire? What is different? And um, I deliberately did not study biology, although I was very fascinated by living systems because you had to memorize so much. And I, I, I really never liked memorizing. I, I, I rather, you know, I have a, I think I have a very small brain. I can, you know, I can compute very fast, but I cannot store anything. <laughs> so I, I decided not to study biology because I just didn't want to learn all that stuff. And, and physics was just right because maths, what I like maths all the time. And I, I found that Physics, I mean, you can do everything with physics. You become even a, a chancellor with physics. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a great uh, subject. I, I, but I, I didn't like to study it, I have to say. I, I, at that time, it was very, very dull uh, for, as a student. It was taught in, a, in an obnoxious way uh, in, in the 90s in Germany. You know, you, you were basically watching the guy writing formulas uh, at a blackboard. That was basically the lectures in physics when I was studying. That has changed quite a bit. Yeah, that, but, that, that, that sounds like some of my organic chemistry teaching. Yeah, chemistry was not much better. I mean, chemistry, at least there were the experiments that, you know, yeah. made a lot of smoke and, 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 and noise. But um, so, so I really didn't like the studying much. But the, the, when, I, when I entered the lab first time, I really loved it. I, I, I have, I'm a, to the bone, I'm an experimental person, I have to say. Also, I always dreamt of being a big theoretical physicist, but that did not work out. So uh, here's an interesting question then. How much time do you now spend in the lab? Zero. I don't go to the lab. I mean, of course, I go through the lab and talk with my people, but I, I haven't touched an instrument in the last 20 years. So, so I think that certainly for younger people uh, listening, watching this at the moment, mm -hmm. I think it's quite hard to get your head around that you love being in the lab so yeah. much. Yeah. And yet as your career progresses, you find yourself less and less in the lab. Mm -hmm. but still loving your work. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I, I sometimes wonder myself how I can manage not to go to the lab anymore because, you know, now, now I have all these really great instruments that I always dreamt of. I, I mean, all of these really cool techniques and AFM and, 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 off, and then we have the cryo EMs and, and it would be fantastic to do the work, but no, no, no anymore. And my, my students are actually glad that I don't, go and touch the instruments because <laughs> I, I might make a mess of everything. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably a bit different from many other scientists that I'm very easily, uh, you know, I, 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 I need new stuff from time to time. I, I, if, I, if I think I, I would still do the same as like 30 years ago, I would die because of, you know, boredom. I, I, I really need new, tasks, new ideas, new concepts from once in a while. But is that not part of the success path that I think if you try and plow the same field 
with the same crop year on year, the, the, the crop dries up. It becomes, the yield becomes yeah, less. You have to reinvent yourself. I think it depends a bit what kind of a personality you are. I mean, there are these people who are basically thinking about the same phenomenon for, for, for decades and, and at the end they, they succeed and, and make something really big. And then there's the other guys who just burn for so many things and, and rather do their, you know, inspire others. I, I, I would think that I, I mean, I, I, at a time I was a real, real lab warm with, uh, you know, uh, for instance, microscopy and spectroscopy and I, I really loved it and I was really good at it, but uh, it's okay, I'm not anymore. So, so I, I think I could still build a, an FCS rig, but it would take a bit longer than it used yeah. to. I, I can certainly use pretty much every instrument I've ever used. The problem now is on the new instruments, it's the software. It's mm -hmm. the software that changes and, and pulls yeah. the legs from under you. Uh, yeah, but it, I mean, the software has become much, much user-friendly, hasn't it? I mean, if you, if you program now, I mean, if I see my, my kids programming, they have all these, you know, graphical programming tools. It's really like you, all, you only drag things together and it's not, you don't have to write this, this really boring coats in a black and white screen. <laughs> that's what my son actually loves. Uh, he's 19 and that's all he does is code. Yeah. Uh, lots of it. Actually maths. Maths is, he finds maths more challenging mm. and, and coding he, he just finds and computing just very, very simple to him. Uh, so he enjoys his challenge with maths, mm. uh, but putting with the computer science with it as well. So. I, 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 I really struggle with all of that, hmm. very much, a, I, I guess. I, I would probably too if I, if I tried, but fortunately I haven't. I'm, I just watch it from afar. So when you went into the, the lab and there was a change of direction, it wasn't, it wasn't evolution. Uh, yeah, it was wasn't the first time with a microscope. Yeah, that was the first time. I mean, I did uh, some, you know, an, an experimental thesis uh, in my diploma, but that was really, really, low tech. I mean, that was ultrasound and, and that, I mean, that was really very, it was okay, but it was very cheap lab stuff. And then uh, what, what we got at the Max Planck in Göttingen, and that was really super cool, um, high end uh, devices, lasers, detectors, microscopes. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I liked that a lot. And so but from that, where did you see your career at that moment in time? Where did you see your career going? Nowhere. I had no idea. I, I, I like to, you know, this was really true. I mean, as a, as a girl in the 90s in science, I had, I mean, I, I, I did just, I like to say that the only thing I kind of knew uh, intuitively is that I wanted to have a job without a boss. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely clear for me. So what kind of job that would be was not clear. But a boss I never would like to have. I, I, I mean, the, the, the good thing about my, my PhD advisor and my postdoc advisor, they were old men, hardly there. I mean, I, 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 into my PhD advisor, I run into a twice, three times a year. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I was really free. I got my money and from time to time he wanted to know what I'm doing, but otherwise I was really free. Yeah, it's a lot of self-motivation to, oh, to yeah. drive through on that, that, that yeah. level of uh, contact is yeah. very low. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, but, uh, my, yeah, my PhD supervisor, supervisor was very hands-off, uh, mm -hmm. 
So I, I, but I could always knock on his door. Uh, yeah, I could not knock on his door. He was just not there. <laughs> 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 he was, half the year he was in the US and when he was there, he was basically traveling the country, lecturing to more important people. So it was good into my second year as a PhD student that I met him and he didn't know my name. So, <laughs> okay. but I had, I mean, I, I didn't feel uh, bad about that. I mean, I, I knew that when I, when I applied to him, it was clear Nobel Prize winner in the upper six, 60s. I mean, come on. I mean, you're not expecting to get a, a very tight tuition from this person. So how much support was there within the lab group itself then? There must have been some help and direction within that. No, not really. I mean, we had we were basically two PhD students who who were very active. Uh, there was another buddy who basically started a bit earlier than I did, and he was a he had everything under control, and he was a really good peer because <laughs> I just watched him doing things and and kind of mimicked him, and then we were really good uh, really good lab mates and and you know did most things together. And there we had a, a collaborating group with Rudolf Riegler in, in Stockholm with really good uh, postdocs and other PhD students who had, were a bit advanced in the technology we were doing and they trained us well. So we got our um, training uh, with you know collaborators and people we knew. Um, but not you know it was not uh, one of these very clear structured labs where you know exactly who your boss is and who you go, can go to if you have a problem that was pretty much uh, you know self-made <laughs> self-made uh, projects and careers I, I, we had a, a, a there was another senior phd student who who was also very well organized and he he brought the need of publication into the into the lab. Eigen did not care a bit what we would publish and not publish. So so there was one PhD student who who had a very clear idea that he wanted to publish, and and we just you know followed his his uh, example, and and at some point uh, you know published our own stuff. That's, uh, I'm just amazed at the lack of <laughs> lack of lack of guy. Absolutely, it was it was. A, Retrospectively, I, I wonder how I survived. <laughs> it was really, you know, meandering and, you know, random walking through this whole scientific scene. So how many hours a day were you putting in at that point? Can you recall? Uh, every day from, I don't know, nine to seven, eight at night. It was basically the whole day and the whole weekend, mm -hmm. and, and it was okay. It was, it was I know we had. I mean, I had my I had my leisure time. It was not that I was living in the lab, but but it was really, you know, really long. At least in the last uh, year, uh, that was basically around the clock. So thinking of leisure time, what was your number one thing that you did outside of the lab at the time? In Göttingen, it was basically only music. There, I, I mean, we I I, I liked hiking, uh, so I, we went out to the you know, whatever that was, woods, but um, music was number one. <laughs> Singing and playing. This picture, I have to duck completely out of the way of this, this, this picture, because that is, that's a lovely piano that you have there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first But you have every other instrument I can possibly, I can't even name them all, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. So what, what instruments have you got here? So, yeah, well, so the, the ones that I played best is probably the viola, which is uh, at, the, at the very uh, left. Um, that, that is my, I would say, number one instrument. And I, I started playing the violin, but I at some point was too lazy to practice. And if you're too lazy to practice as a violinist, then 
don't don't tell this to the you know real viola players then you end up as a viola and then um i i, I as, a, as a kid i learned the the, the piano and the um the trumpet I played the trumpet for very long and um, the, the French horn I played for some years in Göttingen, even in a, you know, forestry uh, ensemble where all had these par fourth uh, horns, very cool things. And I, a couple of years ago, I learned the, the clarinet um, because I had a problem with my neck and it was very hard for me to play a, a string instrument. So I, I played the clarinet and very recently, because my daughter urged me to purchase a, a, a saxophone, so I purchased the saxophone and that's also a lot of fun. And what else is there? Yeah, there's a, you know, how do you call this accordion? Yeah. I cannot really play it. I bet if you can play the piano, then you can make your, you know, you, you can somehow accompany singers with it. Now, that's firstly a huge number of instruments. Yeah, uh, I cannot uh, play them all well. I, I, so I've got a piano in the background. Uh, but I only play two or three instruments to a very low standard. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking at the quality of your instruments there and I'm assuming this is to a very high standard. Not really, no, no. I mean, I, I, I think I can play uh, the, the, the viola reasonably well so that, that I, don't, I don't hurt in a, in a, in a string quartet, but um, it's not that I would call myself, uh, you know, any, anyhow a, a professional or, or expert. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm just looking at your lovely piano there as well. I think you're it being is, modest. It's a really nice one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, there was actually a, an, an aunt died uh, three years ago and I inherited some money and I, I didn't know what to do with the money. And then I bought the grand piano and I, that was the best, the best thing to do with my money, I have to say. It's so much fun. It's so, it's so much more fun than a, pia than a normal piano. It's, it, 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 it's a completely different instrument. <sighs> Oh, I haven't got space for it. Yeah, that's the problem. I, I, nor do I have the skill for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a possibility to practice, you know. You can, a piano, you can actually start very late. I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, getting older and actually starting back again. But I, I think with children yeah. and everything else I do, there's just not enough time at the moment. But yeah. you obviously put a lot of time into your music as well. Uh, and actually, the funny thing at that time in Göttingen, I was actually singing most of the time in choirs. And I played the viola, but uh, and, and the violin. Oh no, in Göttingen, I played the violin, um, and 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 I was singing in in a, in a very good choir, and that was my evening entertainment, so to speak. I, I'm I'm still in awe of the sheer number of instruments, and I, I've always argued that artists never make good scientists. And scientists never make good artists. No, no. I mean, uh, uh, graphical arts, I, I suck. I, 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 I'm totally, I, I also admire, I, I'm, I'm also not a big art, you know, understander. If I go in a museum, <clears throat> doesn't talk to me. I, yeah. But the ear, that, that is different. Yeah, I think maybe it's a different art, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a different art. There's a lot of scientists who do music but cannot. How do we get away as microscopists? without being able to draw it. Think about microscopy and yet many years ago, you had to hand draw it. I would argue there were never scientists, they were just good artists yeah. using different media to, to find something to draw, not necessarily really understanding what they're drawing. That's actually, that's actually true. I mean, I, 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 I think I'm also, I would probably not be such a good microscopist. I'm more a spectroscopist. I mean, I, uh, microscopy is more fun than spectroscopy because you have these shiny images, <laughs> but really I'm a, I'm a single molecule spectroscopist. That's, that's really what I am. Yeah. We, which is, that, we don't have to draw much there. 
I, I had a question earlier, actually, uh, for later on, I'll ask it now, because obviously you started out as a physicist. You're now yeah. very much all your impacts, all your direction is in the world of biological studies. Uh, I guess optimally a biophysicist. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say I, I'm definitely a biophysicist. So are you a better biologist, a better physicist, or a biophysicist that sits somewhere between them? You know, I think, I mean, if you had to categorize, I actually am probably in the most, uh, in the best sense, I'm a physical chemist. That's really what resonates with me. My brain operates as a, as a physical chemist. Biology, I'm, I, I really suck, I have to say. I, I'm interested in biology, but, you know, it's too much information. <laughs> I've got it. Actually, I actually had three, a three-way question of what would you class yourself as a biologist, physicist, or chemist with three question marks after it. That's why I had yeah. my question. I should have got the chemistry in there quicker. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if I had to choose between chemistry and physics, I still would go for the physics side because also chemistry you have to memorize a lot. <laughs> but in physics, definitely physical chemistry or yeah. chemical physics. So, so after, your, uh, after your time there, you then went over to Cornell, is that correct? Yes, Cornell. Well, that must have been a big step. Yeah, that was a big step. I, I, that was really also, you know, personality-wise a big step because uh, at that time, uh, I, Germany was still very conservative and uh, not, you cannot even compare it with Germany, uh, the German research as it is now, when every, every single professor has been in, you know, U US or UK. At that time, it was relatively conservative with the habilitations and all that. So it was really good for me to go uh, abroad for these two years. And besides, it was a fantastic lab and uh, fantastic colleagues. Um, Cornell is a, is a spectacular campus, probably the, the nicest campus on earth. I, I haven't seen, I have seen many, and I haven't seen such a nice one with, you know, rivers and gorges on the campus, uh, the whole thing overlooking a, a lake. I mean, that's even better than, you know, San Diego or so. So and how was it? I, the, the one thing is the working life is obviously very different there. The culture yeah, yeah. at that point, as you indicated, was very different to, yeah. the, to what it was in Germany back then. How do you think the two compare now? Uh, I would say that still, uh, I mean, the US, it was basically work was life. Um, I mean, that, that there was no you know, holiday or weekend culture was not existing. And that is still the same, I would say. I mean, if you see how many holiday hours people get in, in holiday days, people get in Germany and, and take it for granted and as their right and, and you know, their life. Uh, and, and in the US holiday, what is that, right? So you get a couple of days, but you better not take them, right? It's, it's really different still. But, but in terms of science in the lab and the hierarchy, um, where you basically, you are on, 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 on terms with your professor. So I think that that has, you know, has grown similar. We do not have the, you know, the bow tie uh, director or professor anymore. Well, there are some, but, but it's not, it, it's not the norm, I would yeah. say. It's still, you know, you have your buddies and, and you have your, the lab life. The, the only difference that you have much more space in Germany, <laughs> which is good in Corona times. Um, the labs are much bigger. You have a much bigger desk. Uh, and that, but, but besides that, it's very similar. Uh, so what about on a personal level, though? You know, you're, you're, you're very young. You're, going to, you're, you're switching countries to carry on your research. That also has a lot of logistical and just, just 
must be some apprehension in doing that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it was it was easy at that time. I mean, I, I didn't have much. I mean, I um, we we I, I had my no now husband was already my boyfriend at that time. It was very clear he would not come with me uh, because he had a job that was not transferable, uh, and so I. I, I was, it was clear I was going on my own uh, for two years. That was my stipend uh, lasted for two years. And it, it was clear, clear to me that I actually wanted to go back uh, to Germany after two years. Um, so it was a, a relatively minor move. I, ha I mean, I, still, I did this stupid thing and, and boxed, you know, plates and spoons and things like that for my also and shipped it to the US. Also you could for the for the price of shipping you could have just bought everything new. But you know that that is the mistake you do. And so so it's always a short burn, but I, I presume that was a big uh, a big plus on the C V when coming back to Germany. Yeah, I mean not I'm not so sure. Of course it, uh, there are people who are looking did this person move which I think is completely ridiculous. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, somebody can stay in one city the whole career and be a fantastic scientist. And another one can move around and not gain much from it. Um, what was good for me that, that, that I just had endless freedom and a, a super nice interest. And, 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 and what was very important, and probably I should emphasize this because, um, the conservativeness of Germany also was in my brain, right? So I had absolutely no idea what I should what I should prepare for as a career. And I, I really like to tell I, I tell this episode uh, anecdote everyone who wants to to, to hear it. But it, it's really it really telling. I a bit, at the very end of my PhD when everything was already you know successful and was clear that I did a, that my PhD was really good. I went to my PhD advisor Manfred Eigen and asked him. Do you think I could become a professor? And then he, you know, yeah, you know, it's very hard and a very long way. And he was obviously not, he didn't want to, you know, to, to uh, make me, you know, expect too much uh, from this. And only a couple months later, it wasn't only half a year or so, I, I, in the US I, I started and had a lot of fun and I asked the same question to my, to my American uh, PI and he just was looking at me, oh, of course, what else do you want to become? <laughs> and that was different, right? So the, the very conservative, very, you know, um, rather demotivating uh, attitude in, in Germany and the, the super, you know, uh, emphatic and, and, and also, you know, how you call it, um, supportive and, and, and optimistic. It's probably, it, it's optimistic uh, way of doing science in the US. So would you say that maybe that was a moment that you realized that you are going to succeed here? You are going to have yeah. your... That was the reason. Uh, that was the moment when I thought that it could actually. But you know, when 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 I even thought about it, I mean, even when I when I planned my postdoc, I did not expect it to be a step towards a professorship. Right? I just didn't know what to do else. I didn't want to go to industry because obviously you would have to have a boss there. So I decided, no, no, no. I, let, let's just keep doing science for the next couple of years and then see what comes of it. Actually, that sounds very familiar. I, I was very similar. I. I did a PhD because I enjoyed research. I did a postdoc because I didn't want to stop research. I wasn't really thinking about the next step. I, I, I think today it's very different. We, we 
we almost drill the PhDs and postdocs into thinking, what is their next career step? We have an obligation to make them think so they yeah. don't fall off the end. But at the same time, we also have to let people enjoy their research. Absolutely. Uh, and, and see if they have got a flair for it and not, not beat it out of them. Uh, and it yeah. sounds as though America really helped in that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful to that time and to my colleagues and my, my advisor and, and, and all, you know, all aspects that made that successful. About three years after coming back from there, you got your professorship. Yeah. You were mega young to get yeah. a mega young to get a professorship. Actually, I, I think I was just right. <laughs> and, and everybody who, who becomes older is actually too old because why should people not get their professorships with 35, 34? Yeah. Your, your brain is, is there, your experience is there. So what else do you want, right? So, so I think it was just the right time and, and we should make it possible for people to become professors at that age. And that, that is still an exception, it's just wrong. There's so few examples though. That, that get there. I know, uh, I know, and that is that is not good. That is that is really bad. There's like a reluctance, or you always get a feeling that you, they have to do so many years of proving. Yeah, yeah, you're always. And, oh, it's he, he or she is is only forty, is still a junior researcher. <laughs> Come on, every forty, you're not a junior researcher anymore. You're just an you know middle aged researcher, and you should better be a professor already, right? And not wait for it anymore. So I, I really think this is, I mean, and that, that's actually interestingly the uh, same everywhere. Also, people are younger when they do their PhD in, in the UK uh, or the master uh, in the US. It, it's, just, it, it's just a wrong thing and it should not be like this. Uh, there are some in their 30s that still get their professorships and, and they are, you know, they're usually really great people. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 and they're not all work orientated i mean it, it, of course it, it depends a bit what kind of a pro i mean the biologists usually tell me that you cannot do a phd in three years so i i my my, my i actually was a pretty old uh, uh you know diploma student so i i did not speed up i i, I it took me until uh, i was uh, when, when did i do my phd uh, my, my postdoc with ah, my diploma in 90 Three, that I was 25 when I had my diploma. That's just okay. That's not fast. And then I did my PhD in three years. And that's the fast part, right? And then I did the postdoc only for two years. And after two years, I already, you know, had this, this amazing opportunity to become a, a, a research group leader. Um, that was really young, I have to say. But I also did do a lot in my in these two years of postdoc so I, I had a lot of papers already after the first year no, so, well, yeah well, obviously before even, even yeah. before i met you back in 2001 yeah, yeah. you already yeah, yeah. developed two photon yeah, yeah. realized in the, the actual application of two photon fcs yeah, yeah. Uh, was, that that was a very productive time just yeah. <clears throat> which is it's interesting to hear about starting a group at so young that must also be daunting to, or maybe, maybe at a young age you don't think about it so much. Yeah, I, I think you just don't worry so much. It's, it's okay. I, I, I got very nice and very good students and a, a postdoc who was very, very helpful. Um, he was actually, uh, you know, he was actually my PhD colleague and wanted to found a company. 
and suggested me to become his, uh, that he would become my postdoc and would be free uh, for founding the company and at the same time supervise one of my PhD students. And it was just a, a good, uh, you know, win-win situation. And then so I, I, I'm going to ask, because we, we talked a bit about your early life and with the, the music uh, as a big theme in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the one thing I think, certainly from physics, the uh, the male female divide, there's yeah. not as much representation. Biology, I think, is really good. I think there's quite a good representation. And yeah, in physics, maybe less so, maybe because that's a choice at a younger, for whatever reason. <clears throat> but then I do think there was also difficulties about raising a family as well. Yeah, I, I guess that's always, I mean, it was not. I had this big advantage that I was still young when I uh, when I had my professorship. So I, you know, I I, I was not a, a big family person. Um, I, I never really, in, in the same way, I never really wanted to have a boss. I also didn't ever want to have a, a husband. And and I I wasn't very I wasn't very big in in kids. So I did not really care much about kids. So that was not, you know, on my mind in a way that it prohibited my career somehow. So I, I, I only when I had already uh, everything in my hand, I, when I was a professor and nobody could do anything anymore, then I decided to have uh, to give it a try and have some kids. <laughs> Actually one kid. I, I wanted that sounds to have, so wrong. <laughs> I wanted to, it's totally wrong. It, it, you should not have, I, I mean, it's, 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 don't copy me, but this was how it was, right? So I wanted to have one kid because I was one kid and it was just, just the right number. But then I somehow got attached to the <laughs> to the process. <laughs> it's kind of uh, I, you get a bit addicted to having kids. Once you have the first, then you want the next. There's so many jokes around that line. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that is a big advantage. If if you're if you're a professor, when you start having kids, um, I mean that's another argument for trying to be to make professors younger. Uh, that you know you're not dependent on anyone of course you're dependent on your husband helping you and your you know child care situation of course there needs to be some sort of a child care uh, but but it's not if you cannot come for one day nobody can blame you right so you're just not coming no I, I think well I hope things are getting a lot better in that area I think where we are at York York I think is exceptionally good certainly mm. in biology it, 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 I, I think it's very supportive but there's still areas that can improve across the board, I think. Mm. And it, I guess that will change in time. Uh, just be nice if it was a bit faster, uh, if we could get there. Mm. You have three girls, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I've got three boys. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you my life is a lot easier than yours. I don't know. <laughs> boys are dead easy. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're just very good kids and I, I was you know I, we were also very lucky that they were all healthy and there are so far no problems besides of course school issues that you always have somehow but um, I, I have to say that I was very very lucky with childcare all along my career um, I mean in, in Dresden, Dresden is eastern Germany and they had a, a really good childcare system um, where you did not you know, of course, there was, you know, after school, there was hot or so there was a full um, for the whole day you had childcare. And um, also here uh, in, in Munich, um, I mean, the bigger cities in Germany are, are really good. And my husband, you know, your partner also matters. 
obviously. So, and my husband, it was very clear that we do it together and that um, he does, you know, we have 50-50 share uh, of, of the time that we, that we um, you know, invest for the, for the kids. And, and I, I mean, of course, uh, I mean, this is something that is absolutely clear. You do not have the same time for your science as if you would not have kids, regardless of childcare. It's just, I mean, uh, you, you, you need half of your brain for your family. And this half of your brain is not there for research anymore. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, this is how it is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not in the same way, you know, 100% science as I, as I was in, as, a, as a postdoc. I, I, I think that was... Impossible. This is impossible. How could that be? But I bet you still live and breathe your subject. I, I'll just go... I, oh, I, yeah. It was, uh, it was good that you said that your husband still matters. It was still important, I think you said. Because <laughs> I think a few sentences before that, you said that you didn't care for a husband. So I thought I was oh, no, 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 not, not, not for a, pa a partner and a husband is a different thing. So I was, I was very, very uh, rigorous, rigorously uh, in, uh, against marrying. Um, that, I mean, not, not having a partner at all, um, that, that, of course, you know, you want a partner, obviously. But, but no, I, 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 I really dislike the the concept of being married and that's probably my generation that um be kind of aware that it can become very bad for your career if you're married Oof. is that from a female perspective from I, a female of course of course yeah. from a female. <laughs> yeah, okay. i've never only, thought of, okay so now I, 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 only from a female perspective as a male why would it matter yeah i guess so but, but yeah yeah Gosh, how things are different, uh, and how times have changed. I think. I, I think again. That's well, that had changed. I mean, this this is not as it, as it was. I mean, I, I I would say I'm 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 fortunately I'm already uh, um, you know in a generation where uh, women have kids, but um, I would say the generation before mine, uh, women, if they wanted to do real research, um, the the rate of of uh, women having kids is is very low. So, so what do you do with your children? How do you spend your time? I know it's quite cool. Mine are a bit older, I think, than yours. Mine are 13, 16 and 19. Yeah. Uh, lockdown's been really good over that lockdown period because I was at least around more and I could show my face at lunch. Yeah. And, and just every now and then I could find time to do something with them. Not as much as I should. I know. I, I, I love my work. Uh, but what yeah, do you, so you've got to find something to do with them. So, so, so one, one really, really good thing is that all my kids are very uh, musical. So they, they, they play the instruments much better than I do. So I, I, whenever I can, I, I play music with them. So and what, uh, I, also hiking in the mountains they like. So that, that I can also do with them. So, so I have a question. What style of music? Do they all like uh, the Classical music. Classical music. We are, we are totally, you know, before 1900. <laughs> Probably before 1950. <laughs> but so, definitely, definitely... Uh, string quartets, uh, you know, chamber music. So they're and, not- And they all play in orchestras. They, they actually play in very good orchestras. Um, I, I couldn't play in these. So, so they're not into big rap music or anything like that? No. Yeah, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, well, I listen to the rap music. I have not an clue where, what's interesting about some of the rap the, music. I have to say that this was a big investment uh, of my time uh, when the kids were small um, to, you know, um, help them practice because uh, string instruments you have to practice and 
very few like to do it. So I, I spent really hours, hours in my, uh, so in the, in the 2000s, when the kids were still small, um, to, to practice with them. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was no fun. <laughs> that was just hard work. I mean, we basically fought all the time and, and, and yelled at each other and it was not nice. But now it was worth it. So now they yell at you as they're teaching you if they're better? Come no, on. they are very friendly. They, they just say, well, you're, you're only viola. It's okay if you do much mistakes. <laughs> no, they are, they, are, they are relatively professional. I mean, in, in the worst case, they don't play with me because I'm not good enough, but they, they don't yell at me. So you also said that you enjoy a lot of climbing. Yes, that's and, uh, another thing that I, I... I quite like this picture because it looks like you're sitting on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Where are you in this picture? Obviously uh, this, in the mountain area, in, but... Yeah, this is in the... So the, the good thing about... One, one good thing about Munich is that it's very close to the mountains. So um, in one hour, you are in the middle of, of really cool, cool mountains. And these are the Karwendel Mountains in uh, a bit south of... At the border between uh, Germany and Austria. And they are fantastic because... Um, you can be very, I mean, it's, you can find places where there's nobody. I mean, then you, other places, there's a lot of people, but um, it's, it's very easy to, to be, you know, out there and up. And it goes to 3,000. So that's, uh, 3,000 is the, you know, it's a Zugspitze, but on the Carvindel side, it's 2,7 or so. And that's, that's actually, that's fine. So, so yeah. this looks super chilled, nice walking, relaxing. And then we start to get a little more extreme. Yeah, that's still not extreme. Yeah, yeah. these are ferratas. I, I like to do them because you can do them on your own. You don't have to have a... I really like climbing, I have to say. I, I would, if, if I would have more time, I would rather do real climbing, you know, with two or so. But I don't have the time. And no, so far, nobody who goes with me, my husband is a very good, uh, you know, a sportler. But he's not... He, he's afraid of heights, so climbing is not his. <laughs> no, no. My, my oldest daughter is, uh, is, is already on my tracks. And um, with her, if, if, if she's, you know, we, we have to do some, you know, obviously some training, but um, we can go more serious stuff. But the ferratas, you don't need anyone. You just go. That's the good thing. So in that case, I, I guess the ropes are there already laid out. Exactly, they are fixed yeah. ropes that are, you know, steel ropes, in, and, and then you just go. And, and there are many of them, uh, you know, in, in the south here. Yeah. Then the nicest are in the Dolomites. These are actually here. Yeah, this this uh, is my favorite place on earth here, the, uh, the Dolomites. Um, but that's already a bit further away, so you have to drive for four hours or so to get there. <laughs> but it, it's a nice way to relax. Yeah. But yes. in winter? What do you do at that point? Skiing and, and, and uh, backcountry skiing is, ah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that is uh, also in the Dolomites actually, uh, that is a backcountry hike. Uh, I'm envious. Yeah. You <laughs> could be. Don't have it's really nice. Here. It's really nice. disagree with me, but it's still limited in, in what you can do up there. And, and it's still, a fair driveway. It's probably as quick for me to get on an aeroplane and come over. Probably, yes. <laughs> is to drive up to. So yeah. Mind you, Scottish Highlands are lovely. Yeah, I mean, you can do other things there. I mean, actually, there is good climbing there, I've heard. I've never been there, but. Yeah, I, 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 really funny story. I actually went to Scotland uh, to celebrate 
oh gosh, what, uh, 40th birthdays for myself and my wife, just the two mm -hmm. of us, left the children here with my parents. Mm -hmm. And we went up to the top of Ben Nevis, which is the highest point yeah. in the UK. Mm -hmm. And at the top of there, someone who worked for molecular, this was in May, there was snow at the peak. Uh, there was hardly anyone up there because it wasn't during holidays. Yeah. And this guy comes bounding up to me saying hello. And he worked for molecular devices. It's like, oh, hi. We then went to uh, another peak to look for ptarmigan, uh, a, a bird which you only really get up in Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were quite keen to see it. And there's no path to the top of this hill. It, there's no track. It's just you, you've got to find your own. So you end up following a stream up to the top. Mm -hmm. And on the way back down, there's a dog walker. And this dog walker was Alan Stewart from Leica. It's like, <laughs> this is unreal. How can this be? The I'm in the middle of nowhere. No one it's climbs this place. And there he <laughs> just happened to be staying in the same local village that he actually lives in. It's, this is really cool. It's a, it's a small world. And yeah. microscopists are very well networked. <laughs> we are everywhere. And they like mountains, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. I, actually, I did also meet two other people on the same holiday. My wife was just incredulous. She's just like, who are we going to meet today then? You know, we're in the middle of nowhere each time. And it's, you say, because, it's because you're so famous. So, uh, that's, no, yeah. it's just coincidence. <laughs> Definitely just coincidence. And so, came back. So, your work-life balance, it, it, it sounds very full. There's never a moment, I guess, uh, you know, because when you're at home, you're playing your music, you're with your children and enjoying it. So I, I guess it's a 100 mile per hour lifestyle, it sounds. Yes, yes it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, a colleague in, in Cornell basically once said to me I, that, that he was basically thinking that I was leaving two lives. And I, I, it's kind of, it, it feels a bit like this. I mean, of course, you always have to, you know, you, you always feel you're not doing the best possible job in, in either of them, but it's okay rather a non-perfect, you know, job in, in two um, fields than a perfect in only one. I, I, would, I would miss something then. I mean, I, I, I have to say that now, of course, I don't want to imply that my science is not top, right? Of course it is, it's the best science in the world, but, you know, of course, I, I, I would not, I would, I mean, I, there was a time in my life that I worked my ass off for, for science, and this is not anymore the case. <clears throat> And do you think it'd be possible to get into your position today without working your socks off in the early stages? I don't think so. And so I, 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 I would totally agree with you. But I think at that early stage of your career, it doesn't feel like you're working your socks off. No, exactly. That, that is only retrospectively that you see, oh my God, I, I, really, I really did work all the week, week and through and I, I enjoyed it. I, it was fantastic. I mean, I, in, in the winter times in Cornell, um, I, because we were working in the basement, I was not seeing the daylight at all. I was basically in the morning, I was going with my bike or skis or whatever I could to the, to the lab and it was, already, it was still dark. Um, and then I was in the lab in the dark the whole day. And then when I went home, it was dark again. So I really didn't see any daylight. And I never suffered from it. It was fine. Yeah, because you enjoyed your work on it. Exactly. Uh, and I had nice people around me. I mean, that also matters, of course. I mean, scientists are usually relatively nice people. So, so everything so far sounds like it's been yeah, pretty easy going. You, 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 know, you put the effort in, put the time in. Uh, obviously got the creative mind, which is important to have the ideas to start with and then to be able to see them through. But at some point you must have had some difficulties or roadblocks to overcome. Yeah, 
I was probably very lucky in not having really big roadblocks, I have to say. And of course, I mean, uh, two years into my PhD, everything was going wrong. And uh, I mean, like, like a normal PhD, right? The first year it works kind of, the second year nothing works, everything breaks down. And then the third year you're basically picking up you know, scattered pieces and, and try to assemble something. And that, that worked well, but you know, it, it's also, you, you have to be lucky. Yeah. It can go wrong. And maybe that's another thing is I think some of us do just get very lucky in our yeah. career. Yeah, I, I think if without luck, probably you cannot make it. You have to. I, I mean, you you can you can you can uh, you know tend your luck and, and 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 persuade yourself that you're actually lucky and that helps a lot. Um, I've always been rather good at that. Stay optimistic. Stay positive. That always helps. Yeah, I, I think my, my former boss. Uh, I'm now that position, so maybe I don't. I do. I still sort of have a boss, but I'm now. It doesn't matter. I, there's a line removed at least. Yeah. Uh, Officially, I also have a boss, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's more like feeling a boss. Yes. Uh, he always used to say that. Uh, I always used to say, "Look, I've just got lucky," and he'd always go, "Well, you always create your own luck." And uh, that's definitely true. I mean, that there's a certain uh, a certain will to to be lucky that you have to have. But then again, also you have to be lucky to have that. So it, it's, you know. You, you must have heard the phrase that a cat has nine lives. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've also also thought that, that the number of times I've been pushed off a cliff and landed on my feet mm -hmm. is where I've got lucky. There's been moments, uh, even during lockdown, some high pressure moments you think, oh no, this is going really badly. Mm -hmm. And somehow, from, uh, somehow you come out the other side and everything's worked out somehow. And I'm not sure if that's by luck or by design. It's hard to disentangle, I would say. No, but, but I, I guess the big thing is at those critical times, you keep putting the time in and the effort in to that mm. key point and hopefully it increases your chances of landing on your feet. Mm. One day I know it's not going to happen and it will all come crashing down on me. <clears throat> but that's true I guess if everyone. we didn't feel like that, we'd be too com comfortable in our jobs. Mm. Uh, so, so, that's good. so what about of all the publications I, I, I've asked this to quite a few people I'm always interested to know what is their favorite publication that they have been an author or co-author on uh, and why is that your favorite publication yeah so I I, I mean I've, of course there are many aspects why something could be a favorite publication but I, I, I think there are two most important publications for my career. And the, the first one is really my very first publication, my own first publication, my first, first author, because this was a paper that I wrote every single word alone without any help. I have two co-authors who, one gave me some, some DNA probes and the other one was my official uh, collaborator in, the, uh, in, in, in Stockholm, who kind of at some point had an idea that I then, you know, made into a paper. But that was, I, I carried that thing through uh, from the beginning to the end and submitted it and everything. And, and I got back from Biophysical, I, I mean, I, I'm still grateful to Biophysical Journal for that letter. Uh, thank you for submitting this publication to Biophysical Journal. <laughs> Thank you for saying that because it was really, it was a fantastic experience. It was my first, you know, self-made publication and also a very important one about cross-correlation. And the other one is uh, 
the, the, our only science publication that we ever got, um, this is the, the MIN protein self-organization, because this is just such a fantastic result that, that we got that, I mean, when I saw this in the, uh, in, in the microscope, I, I thought I would dream uh, where we saw this self-organization and pattern formation by, the, by this MIN proteins. I've never seen something that beautiful uh, <laughs> ever again. I mean, it, we have now more beautiful images, but it was the first time that we saw them and, and it was like, oh my God. And I'm, I'm guessing <clears throat> we're not so dissimilar in age that when you, when you, when you had that manuscript that was put in the, the post box, uh, so more two copies or whatever, I can't remember how many copies we had to do in a big grand envelope and put it yeah. through a letterbox. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the, the first time, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you got a letter back, it's always good to get that because you, it just goes into a black hole. You don't yeah. know where it's gone to. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you then got loads, when it's published, you usually get 50 publications back of your publication exactly. for you to send out. and. People used to write to you. Yeah, yeah. You get this little card, right? And then you sent it. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That was, that was the old days. Not yeah. about those cards. Yes, I remember. Right. Yeah. How did you get it? Write, write that card and send yeah. it to me. Oh, good for yeah. me. Actually, I just talked with a, a person from Eastern Germany, and they said that these cards were basically their own, you know, at, 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 in the time of the GDR, that was their, you know, lifeline to real science because they, of course, did not have the magazines and they did not have, have the, the books. So they, they, they only lived through this, you know, preprints. Yeah. Um, and, and that basically they would share them with each other. So for them, these cards were really, really, really important. No, I, I, how times change. Yes. How much easier? I, I don't know if it's better or worse now. Uh, I find well, it really what is what is definitely. I mean, everything is much easier now. Uh, what is worse is that you know the threshold for publications uh, so low, and there are so many so many bad papers and so many bad journals, and that's not good. But and that could be so many bad reviewers as well. Yeah, not doing their reviewing. Oh yeah, that is uh, that is another story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which could also then come on to the stresses of the, the, the intensity of work, mm. I think has gone up as well, because everything is so fast and so instant, there's a lot more of it to, to yeah. juggle. And, and particularly in the high impact uh, journals, I mean, what you get as reviews, I mean, it's like, this is just obnoxious. I mean, they, they basically ask you to write the full encyclopedia of a phenomenon. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's just one paper where we discovered a very interesting uh, mechanism and got that from a high impact journal. Basically, yeah, everything's nice. Show it in vivo. We showed it in vivo. And then the next review was, yeah, but you haven't measured the exact force for that molecule. Uh, I mean, if you compare it, it was like from the time when people did develop, uh, did discovered molecular motors to the time that they can, could measure the force by one motor. It was basically like asking all of this in one publication it's like come on <laughs> yeah. leave other people something to do i mean it's it's fine that we reported a, a phenomenon and a, and a mechanism is why would we also have to spit out the numbers and every possible thing you could know about this molecule yeah it's a uh, yes yes it's just fresh in my on my mind that for that reason I mean, it's like they're just i mean people are they, they, they are not reasonable in, in no risk. I mean, in, on, on, the, on the low side and on the high side. 
I, I think that's a really crucial point that you've just made about a publication is about the work that's been done as a package. Yeah. And you're not wrong. The number of times you get questions coming back, which is in itself another year. Another paper. Exactly. It's, an, it's another paper. It, it could be the next project for a PhD yeah. student and it would be fine. It does not make any sense to hold up the publication of an interesting I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not, it's not that they said, well, this is wrong and this is wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's just that we did not measure everything we could have measured. Come on. <laughs> it will never be like this. It, it's complimentary in a way that they've looked at it, read it, and want to know more. It's fine. But, so but why from that side, maybe it's eager, but they can put that in a positive, I cannot wait for the next publication that can show this. Yeah. Yeah. Or and are they just showing off that they've thought of something you may not have thought of? It's kind of a combination and probably they had a hard time with their own uh, last publication. So they want you to have a hard time too. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a mixture of, of not very positive human uh, impulses, I would say. So where's the empathy? It doesn't make the science any, it, it doesn't it mean doesn't the science, science any better. And, That's a process. You know, I'm a, a Max Planck director. If I don't get that thing published in that journal, then I don't get it published in that journal, then I send it somewhere else. But the PhD student, he's really, he is with his nerves at, at the bottom. Right? He, he, he completely gave up. I think this is, this is something that might drive him out of science. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, he might at some point say, I'm not playing this game. And he's right. And that would be really bad. That's, that's I'm not leaving on that. That's, that's a very sad point. Uh, yeah, but, but an it, important it, one. And I guess anyone who keeps a career in science has to build up quite a thick skin, become quite tolerant. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah you would have that clearly. But I think you see people, you know, when you have collaborators, you see very different ways of handling reviewers' comments, both on grant applications and on manuscripts. Some explode in anger and fight back, fire with fire. Others are completely catowing and just go, oh, okay, we're not good. Uh, I do think there's a very happy medium here to, to listen mm. and to rebut. And I think people need to have the confidence to rebut robustly yeah. and say, yeah, this right. is unreasonable, this is right, but we can't do that extra step. You know, there's not time or funds quite often mm. to do those extra steps. Yes. But I think editors need to also take that into consideration i think it is the maturity of the editors that determine at the end uh, what I, I i mean i've seen many many ways of handling this and unfortunately i have to say that the the big impact yeah, you know nature science cell is not so bad but but nature science i have to say that i sometimes feel that they these editors lack confidence to just you know say come on forget about this review i mean it's just how, how can you not see how stupid it is you must see it. I mean, it, it's in particular, since it's a pattern, I mean, you have it all the time. Yeah. Um, there are, I mean, there, I have also witnessed other editors where, you know, they say, well, we have this review, but you do this one more thing and, we be, and it's going to be fine. Right. That, that is very often the more senior scientific editors. Um, and that, that makes the quality of a journal really and not what the age factor is or so. The quality of a journal is really the, how an editor runs it. Uh, I, I'm 
going to cover out of science for a minute because after, after a day like that, when you've had those problems, I, I, I will go home and I will eat and I'll probably put the TV on. Oh. Actually, I, 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 I need to zone out. <laughs> just mm -hmm. as I don't have to watch it, it just needs to be on, just background, if nothing else. Yeah, I see that. Um, what would you rather, uh, TV or a book? Um, I, I, I definitely like to read. I, I've, I've, since I can think I've, I've always liked reading, I have not much read many books in the last years. I, I'm a newspaper addict. So I usually, if I have spare time, I usually take a newspaper or a magazine and read that. It's, I don't know why that is. I, I, I don't have the, the stamina anymore for big books. And I'm also a very, 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 um, you know, uh, spoiled <laughs> because I've really read very good books. And if I feel that a book doesn't, it's not worth it, then I don't, don't, don't read it anymore. And I also have to say that I, I got sick of these usual stories like laugh stories and, 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 and you know, catastrophes. And at some point, you've, it's like you age, you, you've seen it all. There's very, very little that surprises you. So <laughs> your face is such a bad picture of getting old. <laughs> We're not even old it, yet. No, but it's, it's actually really true. I mean, it's, I, I have to say that so, so often I, I, I feel that all oh, this story, I have seen it a hundred times. I don't want to see it again. Like it, it's really true. So, so newspapers, you always get something new in it. So, wow. <laughs> it's not very nice. Characters, maybe the same. Doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't raise your mood, but it, it is nevertheless interesting and important. Uh, are, are we talking a uh, printed press here or online press? Both. I have a. I have printed a newspaper that I get every day, and I have uh, the, the, the the weekly ones I have uh, online. Okay, I, I'll buy a paper quite often. Sometimes on a Saturday. But otherwise, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's online at that point. But uh, the funny thing is that the TV uh, that runs very, very, uh, we have a TV and, and if we watch it, we usually watch either the, the news or, um, or a movie on, on video. Uh, what, was your last, what was the last movie you watched then? The Martian. Okay. We just watched it last night. That wasn't bad. I thought it was quite good, actually. It was all right. was a really good movie. I liked it. Uh, my kids liked it also so. I think the, the last one I watched was John Wick 3 which is just the same as John Wick 2 and maybe the, it is just a, it's just an action movie from start to end but my ah. children love it uh, and actually it's, quite, it's not a bad action film it is just gratuitous <laughs> I, I haven't heard of it so I, I probably the German title is totally different so I might I, I, I would uh, yeah it is just an action shoot them up knife them uh <laughs> beat them up uh, one man can take on a whole army by himself type movie ah that kind of thing yeah yeah so you said about how books never change i think movies yeah but it's, it's even even worse with movies i have to agree i mean these movies I, I i don't watch anymore i i sometimes i like i mean in the in the cinema if you have the big show then you you can deal with it but no it's, yeah, it's, it was entertaining. We laughed at quite a lot of it. Because well, it, 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 that, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I, oh, it's sad. My 13-year-old is almost getting too old now to watch children's TV. And it's always been nice to sit down and just watch a bit of children's TV with them, whether it be very early, yeah. or lunchtime at the weekend or in the evening. 
just a bit and just be with them when they're watching their TV. Yes. Part of it. Yeah, they, they, my, my kids are very, they, they very much want to watch something together. That's really something that they really love. Yeah, uh, this is changing now. They're, they're now coding, mixing music, mm. or playing on a PlayStation, some mm. game of some sort. Yeah, fortunately that PlayStation thing did not enter our house. I mean, my kids like to play uh, games on their you know, iPads or I iPhones, but the PlayStation never made it to us. Yeah. At least the summer, we've had a decent summer this year. So actually, my son took, my youngest took up cricket. Oh, uh, nice. At least oh. I can bowl a ball and, and hit, and bowl and hit a ball. Good. Badly. Whereas football, my knees don't like football too much. Uh, I, I, we have every year, we have, uh, not this year, but every other year, we have uh, summer um, games of our institute. And I, I every year I uh, participated in the big soccer tournament of the different departments and every year I hurt myself <laughs> one, one I, it was the knee and then the arm and it, something I mean it was not very bad but but always that, that I you know a couple of weeks I something hurt really badly so uh, that that I, I spared myself this this year because of Corona uh, yes I, I actually I, I actually I might have pulled out so Elmi so you know Elmi is yeah, yeah 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 that mm. was a uh, yeah, they have a pre-football match. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to join that next time. But yeah, every, every, I think this year, three of us were quite nastily injured after it. Yeah. Uh, for some time after. Yeah. Poor guy on his back was really bad. After and, and, and I always injure myself. It's not that somebody does it. Yeah. <laughs> they are all, I mean, they're very nice to me, right? It's yeah, not that they're they, running over me or so, but it's always, <laughs> something is always going wrong. Yeah, it's a bad jump or just a bad sprint. Yeah. It's, never, it's never for yeah. me. And, and mm -hmm. since you don't practice, it. it it's not, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help. Uh, you know. uh, a quick uh, final thoughts, because uh, I realise we're coming up to the end now uh, with the hour mark. Any advice you'd give anyone starting out today? So your PhD students. Uh, actually, I'm going to ask a question. I've never asked this. What do you prefer? You, you might not want to answer. Who do you prefer to have in your lab? PhD students or postdocs? PhD students, very clearly. Uh, because you can, you know, it's uh, the, the way of growing into a, into a problem is, is so much deeper. I mean, very rarely, I mean, I, I like my postdocs and I have had very, very good postdocs, but, you know, um, usually it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a lottery whether it works or not uh, for the, for the postdocs. Um, I mean, if they're really good, they can they always make uh, something of their time here. Um, very often the postdocs already have their, you know, the, the concentration on the career after the post. Very few are free to really admire these precious two or three years uh, where you have all the scientific um, brain and all the scientific freedom, which is, I, I think postdoc time, for me, the postdoc time was the most fantastic time. But that's not anymore the case. They very often have already, you know, they, they are thinking about the next step and are we missing something here? And so very rarely they can just concentrate on, you know, the, the present and, and, and do their work. Um, for the PhD students, it's just the possibility that they have three to four years of maturing, which is, which is so much better. Now that that I think you I think I, I can guess the questions what uh, the answer to what my last question was, which was, what advice would you give, uh, as someone that's starting out today in their career? 
Uh, well, I, I mean, for the PhD, I cannot give much advice. I mean, in the, during the PhD, you basically have to find out for yourself whether you are a scientist or not. And I think it's really clear uh, if, you're, if you're very alert and, and um, if, 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 you, if you're very, you know, objective, then you, you know it. And um, I think that, that is basically what you have to decide by the end of the PhD. Am I a 100% academic scientist or am I not? And if, if you're not, and if you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, because the world needs good scientists also that are not oh, academic. Yeah. Um, and if you are, then um, something that, that I would definitely recommend for every postdoc, don't follow the projects, but formulate your own project and do it um, from the day one of your postdoc. So, so I'm going to challenge now. Uh, I, 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 I hope I get the right answer to this. A postdoc starts on a funded project which has a start, a middle and an end described in the application that was funded. Mm. How can they follow their part, follow their own path within it? The whole construction is wrong. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's a good idea to, to have that for postdocs because you never find the person. I mean, unless you're formulating this project for somebody you know already, um, that happens, right? So uh, sometimes you, you know that uh, a student coming from another lab will come you to your lab and do something. But this very, uh, so for a PhD, I would, I would always say in a, in, a, in, a, in a grant application, a PhD is much more useful than a postdoc because a PhD can really do the work, right? A postdoc, unless you find this person, right? That can yeah. do it. Yeah. I, 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 in the UK, typically most grants will be postdocs. Yeah, uh, I mean. They, they have that very prescriptive thing. And I think that the most successful academics, they mm -hmm. will start at that start point Mm -hmm. but they may end up at the end of that complete, somewhere completely different Absolutely. and I mean, that, that's, that's always possible that you you are on a project and then i mean the, that the you know the, the funding agency gives you the freedom to not do what is you know written there but do something else and they're still happy i mean at least that's true for the german research foundation i, I, I don't know if it's written anywhere but i think if you if you're successful if you start in the same place and end up somewhere totally different, but succeed and make an impact and publish and show worth. I think that's a win, and I think actually absolutely, absolutely, it's the best a win. route forward. Yeah, yeah, and, and and every decent funding agency will cherish that also. Yeah. that's what academic science is about, I guess. Ah, yeah, exactly. You can never say what comes out. I mean, you can only say what you want to work on. So I am hugely relieved that you're. Uh, your laptop has survived. Yeah, yeah, I still have 20, 28%, so we can still go on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we will stop there because it is at the hour mark. Petra, thank you actually for back in 2001 being so inspiring as part of that course. It, it, that, that, that course was what encouraged me to develop my career in this direction. Okay. Uh, and I know the same for Ricardo as well. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Claudia and Oliver Rock. So, they were all very, that course was hugely inspiring. It was a nice course. I also, uh, I also uh, enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so and I, I did not feel like a, you know, a teacher. So it was just like sharing knowledge with someone. Uh, yeah, we're not so different in age. And I felt like a little boy learning. And no. the <laughs> up there. So I, I, I remember that feeling of feeling so young at that meeting. 
Uh, it's very strange. Mm. But thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time today to talk to me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for thank asking you. me. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio podcast sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. To view all audio and video recordings from this series, please visit bitesizebio.com forward slash the microscopists.